You are listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. Welcome to the Moisture Festival podcast. I am Matt Baker. I perform a comedy and stunt show. And I'm Louie Fox. I do uh, magic tricks, comedy, and hand shadow puppets. <laughs> and we both have performed at the Moisture Festival for a number of years. So welcome to the podcast where we give you a peek behind the curtains of the performers and the people that make the Moisture Festival happen. You get a little, little bit of a look at their journey to getting on stage and a little bit about what they do in their time off stage. So welcome and be sure to check out all the episodes of the Moisture Festival podcast because there's a lot. There is a lot. And if you aren't familiar with the Moisture Festival, it's a four-week festival celebrating variety arts. So that's hula hoopers, magicians, people who bounce on their hands, acrobats, pretty much anything you can think of. It is the largest festival of its kind in the entire world, folks. In the entire world, it's the largest festival, and it features some of the best entertainers and comedians working today. The festival happens in the months of March and April, and not only do they have world-class variety acts, but they have a burlesque venue that runs for one week only, and get your tickets for that early because that always sells out actually 95 percent we've crunched the data louie yes 95 percent of the shows sell out so if you're listening to this in the months of march and april be sure to go to moisturefestival.org and get your tickets today yes especially if your bucket list item is to see the opening show get them now absolutely on today's moisture festival podcast we are joined by the famous iman in studio in berkeley california yes we learn about going to wine shops we learn about building your own clown noses and performing on the back of a flatbed truck yeah we learn all about iman's amazing career all the different things that she has gotten into in her life and also about her new show that she is working on. Yep, and one of the highlights is Matt learning to pronounce her last name, Lisa Razu. <laughs> it's a great interview. You guys are going to love it. Let's get to it. On this episode, we have a fantastic performer. She is a self-described eccentric performer. She has toured the globe performing her show at theaters, festivals, and with Clowns Without Borders. She won the prestigious International Clowns Festival Jury Prize in Milan, Italy. We welcome Iman Lisa Razu. Hello. How did I? How was my pronunciation? Oh, fantastic. It was, was it okay? Yes, oh. it was very well. Oh, I was well a little nervous about that. <laughs> that yes, eighteen well minute, done. eighteen minute master class we just did in pronouncing <laughs> the last name. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you so much for uh, for coming to visit us here while we're in Berkeley. You gave us the rundown on why you really wanted to come because there was some yes. a wine company. Yeah, there's a wine company called Kerman Lynch, and so. I go there quite often to pick up some wines and then go to the cheese port, go to the bakery, and then go to the uh, Swiss-owned uh, company who makes fabulous <laughs> Macron. So I have my little tour already planned yeah. out. <laughs> and, you know, I'm sure you guys are here for a long time today, you know, so otherwise I would invite you to join me. Well, I wish you would have done all of this sure. before you came here so we could enjoy some of those. Yeah, yeah. Sure, we could sure. enjoy the bounty. And this wine, this wine place, they they bottle wine from your family? No, they no, import. No, so what, they what imp- happened, they import some wine and the wine called Irle Gruis. It's a very specific wine from the French part of the Basque Country. And that's where I'm from. And so there's a few companies who who they import. It's our family. And then this is family Pranard. And so there's uh, quite a few. And then they basically import wine from Italy and from France. So there's a huge collection of beautiful French wines. That's amazing. Beautiful Alsace-Lothringen, which is between Germany and, and France, but it's French. 
and of course Italy, uh, fabulous wines. Do they import so, uh, any families in your area that you grew up in that is like you're like I can't believe you use their <laughs> their their wine? No, not at all. They're all well deserved. Okay, okay. All of them, all of them, and all of them are fabulous. And also the people who who are in this region in the southwest of France, which we call the Pays Basque. Or in the Basque country, we call it Euskalheria, which is the Basque country. So when those people have fabulous wines and great company and really good people. And just to point out, also Anthony Bourdain went to some of the families to taste wines and um, yeah, That's and awesome. been eating in some of the restaurants. Yes, yeah. indeed. Yes, indeed. Right. So. so let's get hop into you kind of as a performer. So how do you describe what you do? So I would particularly call myself a clown because um, in general, when you say, oh, you know, what's your profession? They ask, then they say, oh, I say I'm a clown. And they would say, oh, yeah, and categorize you very mm. much with... Um, face painters or balloon twisters, birthday clowns, which are extremely, don't get me wrong, very inc- extremely important um, clowns, mm-hmm. especially now during the time of COVID, who bring relief uh, spontaneously to children, uh, retirement homes, adults, no matter where they are, parade clowns and this kind of uh, genre. For me, I'm a theater clown, and so I call myself an eccentric performer. So when uh, people hire me, it's not just the clown. Oh, what are we hiring mm-hmm. here? The makeup artist? Uh, and what will she wear? Is she recognizable or will she be unrecognizable, you know, with crazy costume and lots of make up a wig, which I don't need, as you guys can see. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so in that regard, I have to say I'm very appreciative of those uh, performers and that field of clowning, which is extremely important. Mm-hmm. And all the hospital clowns, which I will, yeah. might come in a little bit later also. And, uh, but I try to include um be part of the theater and have a 90 minute solo show which i perform all over the world and take sections sometimes out of my solo show which i performed at the moisture festival numerous times Mm -hmm. in the moment i'm um in the um, progress of making a new show another 90 minute solo show which is called Blanche on Blanche, White on White and this uh, show will be an homage on my teachers Afner the Eccentric who is also of course has been in the Moisture Festival and Julie Goel who was his wife unfortunately passed away four years ago mm-hmm. and she and Afner directed my solo show and it's an homage on uh, Julie Julie Goel and a very sweet poetic show, and it is um, a story about a clown who uh, starts to knitting because when Julie was very ill, uh, I learned how to knit because she fell asleep often, and I waited for her to wake up and to talk to her or being on her bedside. So I asked Afner to teach me how to knit. Ah. So he taught me how to knit. <laughs> and so I figured I'd make a whole show out of it. That's so. great. That's amazing. <laughs> and so, and that is, you know, the innocence and the hope which White presents and all the failures the clown is um, encountering in the yeah. show. And the thread is like that thread which... It's a literal thread and a metaphorical thread. thread. A metaphorical thread which connects me to Julie and Avner and, of course, um, to life. And how life is also connected to all of us. doesn't matter if we directly connected or know each other. Other people influence us immensely. And they don't even know about it that they 
influence us or we influence them. Yeah. So we directly or indirectly all connected with each other. And that's what this show is somewhat all about. Now, is that something uh, that you run into when you're in like Europe that when you say you're a clown, people automatically assume that you are this particular type of clown, like you, like what you mentioned here in the United States, when you say you're a clown, they assume you're a birthday clown or balloon twister. And what, what is the difference in Europe? I feel like the perception clowns are much more revered and understood in theatrical settings than they are here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, a lot of it has to do with the tradition and uh, Europe has a... Whole um, history of Commedia dell'arte, and I mean that goes way back in the 12th, 13th century, right? So the Commedia dell'arte was actually the people who expressed the stories or the news, so to speak, in a funny way. What happens with the kings and the wars and stories, yeah. And that involved more and more and more theater is is way more respected or more sophisticated in some ways. Um, And then, of course, out of that also grew the uh, variety in in the United States. And so I think uh, in Europe we have a tradition of theater, of opera and ballet. So this is something where people really go to. Mm -hmm. In the United States, I found that more in centralized, you know, where you go into perhaps in New York, that has a big um, audience, yeah? And people come and go to the Broadway because of particular shows. So yes, there is that in New York, you have it in Boston, or bigger cities, LA, big cities and what about the whole midwest Mm -hmm. so you have in minneapolis you have in St. paul minneapolis you have a lot of theaters and stuff that's going on and then there is a hole somewhere (laughs) in the middle right (laughs) so it's on the east coast it's on the west coast it's in new orleans there's the music right Mm -hmm. so you have a lot of that but i think that uh Somewhere in the middle, it's not so much. Yeah. And perhaps maybe we, maybe we need to become a Commedia dell'arte group on a huge pickup truck, big like a flat new old time Chautauqua. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like we, I was on one tour with the Chautauqua. It was fabulous because they're going to small communities. Exactly. Yeah. And so yeah, you know, so something like which is completely. Theater-based, mm. something like that. You mentioned you know going on tour on a flatbed truck. I just read that you have been doing shows yes. on a flatbed <laughs> truck. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I, in fact, you know, so I work with uh, Tandy Beal Dance Company in Santa Cruz mm-hmm. uh, occasionally, and um, so Tandy Beal done wonderful work, you know, for the community and internationally. And so we done many years ago. We done uh, called Mix Nuts is a spinoff of the Nutcracker, with uh, <laughs> so with a lot of performers, former performers from Cirque du Soleil and uh, ballet dancers. And I was always the clown, you know, the storyteller. Mm-hmm. And here we come back to that dread to the wall. So I was leading to the show as a storyteller. So now during COVID, Tendi um, rented a huge flatbed truck. And so I had the opportunity, check this out, because I'm writing my new show. So to recreate some of the sections of my new show, put it on the flatbed truck <laughs> and just try it out. Right, that's great. If it works on a flatbed truck. It'll it's going to work in a theater. I'll say. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it came out really nice, and I had the um, that's great. Uh, the the music cut exactly to twenty minutes, so I knew I only can perform twenty minutes. Mm. Then we pack up, we wrap up, and boom, we're off to the next park. Then we unfold everything, set everything up, and it goes very quickly. Twenty minutes performing, strike everything wow. quickly. Boom to the next. 
park and there's like five parks. But we, the very beginning, when we did the very first show, I was the very first performer, we did quite a few more than five shows. <laughs> <laughs> I was just baked, literally. Oh, I would imagine. Do, do, did the people at the park know there was a show or just the truck pulled so, in? So, uh, both, you know. Uh, it's been published over Facebook and uh, multimedia. Um, but also, who just happened to be in the park? And I had to say, at the second time around, when I had that um, show on the flatbed truck, I had a huge following. Nice. <laughs> it was very nice. Well, usually so. they tell kids to not go towards the clown if they're in a van. They don't say anything <laughs> about a flatbed truck. So Yeah. So you wouldn't know that I'm really a clown because I well, don't, you don't really wear the yeah. big makeup. And my hair is already yeah. outrageous. So... I just look like a regular performer and who's very uh, engaging but with the audience. You, yeah, you don't look a clown, yet you custom make clown noses. Yes. <laughs> so here's an interesting story for you. So while I was studying in at the Celebration Barn with uh, Julie Goel and Avner the Eccentric, so Avner came up to me and said, mm, you know, it's really hard for me to get some those clown noses and... Um, uh, I get them from Pronos, which is a fabulous uh, nose maker. But I wished we had something more, you know. I say, look at the clown noses Avner was using for the school, for the celebration barn, for the classes, for the workshops. I'm like, hmm, I can make them. So I have a background in physics. We have more than a background, right? <laughs> yes. But I have a background in physics, so <laughs> nevertheless. So I have a background in physics, and then so I thought, oh, yeah, so I create that, recreate it, and so uh, designed it completely as I thought would be appropriate. And so I created the eccentric nose, which is, comes in... Uh, small, medium, and large, and then in 10 different colors. And so I produced them. First, I made them with PVC, which is just completely is not kosher at all. Mm. Then I tried it with polyethylene, and my physics brain said, that will not work out because of too many bubbles, the heat versus the cooking time, blah, blah, blah. how it your end product will be not perfect. And I don't like not perfect. So <laughs> um, we have also uh, in Italy um, collaborating with a lot of um, prop makers in Italy. One of them is Play. And so I met a s company who produces things with silicone. So I made a mold um, for the noses. And he couldn't believe it. He's making silicone noses <laughs> in Milano. <laughs> hey, speaking of fashion. <laughs> so I've been producing ever since the noses now, uh, high fashion in <laughs> Milano. I would love so to see like people walk Italy. down the runway yeah. and like wearing a sure nose. Yeah. Now you grew, you grew up in the Basque region of France. And you, your father was in worked in the ballet in yes. Russia. Yeah. So it's uh, my dad um, was teaching at the Bolshoi in in Moscow, and so it just happened I was a little to do, a little kid. So and uh, I had to grow up there and went to a consulate school and all. And later on. Uh, we moved to Dresden, East Germany, and so I, he became the director of the ballet school oh, called wow. Paluka School. And so, and then all political things happened. The wall came down. I was at that point already grown up and studied already uh, physics and was very super interested in nerdy things. And you never wanted to follow in his footsteps into ballet? Not really. I always saw it as a fantastic tool for performing. And so I flunked um, physical education. <laughs> and so they sent me off to a little circus school. 
to to wait as to punishment for failing or no like no <laughs> because because I didn't show up for physical education and so they called my father into school and so he said wow if I take her to this and this and this would you then give her the credits so she can pass the year otherwise I would have to repeat oh, the whole year of school although the rest of the I had straight A's one That's brutal. One failed and was physical. Well, this was Russia, though, so there, there, you can't mess up. <laughs> yeah, at all. you there's cannot no, mess no up, and anybody has no room yeah, yes. for errors. Yeah, so anyway, so I did um, the circus school and learned how to juggle and tightrope walking and things like that. And how much of those skills do you still use? Everything, basically. You know, as an eccentric performer, you have to learn. A lot of things, and I realized that when I studied with Julie and Avner, that um, it's not just that you bring something to the table. So Avner and Julie brought a lot to the table. And then I realized, wait a minute, there's a lot of things I'm missing. And one thing was also my musical education. So I learned how to play the violin. Uh, to the mice of my housemates. <laughs> 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 so, you know, and um, during COVID, for me, it was just fabulous yeah. just to be home and the focus on um, more classes, on violin classes. Origami, who would have thought, you know, origami, that would be a thing we would use in, in as clowns uh, on stage big time. Yeah. Or, uh, yes, ballet, you need to know how to move. Uh, Commedia dell'arte, you know, the basics of comedia. Just a ton of tools in the Acrobatics, toolbox. juggling, yeah. mime, name it. There's nothing which would not fit into that toolbox, mm -hmm. which you could not use. Languages, script writing, puppeteer, you know, all of it is very important. Astrophysics. Astrophysics, it helps. <laughs> Can that be you know, that's box? at the bottom of the toolbox. No, I disagree. Astrophysics is really important because I create all my own props. Ah. So I make all my own props. And when I use uh, things in the show, then I also think about, hmm, how would that work out? If I do this, what yeah. caused that? And that is a structure in my show. And this is also the philosophy of and Julie been teaching of um, the eccentric principles. And so this is a cause or an action cause a reaction. And that, guys, is basic physics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it made perfect sense to me that I become an eccentric performer mm. to create a show around that too. So I have a moment in my show which I really love. So Avner said to me, well, Iman, you need to uh, pick up the pace in the beginning of your show. There's something uh, you need to, you know, do something, you know, figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Just get to it. <laughs> yeah, that's your assignment. <laughs> so uh, in the beginning of the show, uh, it's a clown, uh, Comedia della Basque, uh, a basket case. is about a clown who cannot sleep, who has insomnia. Clown comes home, who is house or his living room and that's the stage and the audience are the viewers and I invite them to take, take them with me on the journey right so I come home I take my clothes off I have this long nine eye on this really long night shirt and of course the clown tired but not too tired what do we often do we read a book mm -hmm. you know so I have a book I read and then I do a whole routine with that book, a very sweet routine with a ball and a book, little thing. And I make myself a cup of tea before that. Sit on, on the table, I pull out on that little table, uh, it's like a little tongue, a plywood piece. And so I put a tea bag on it. I take my cup, my saucer, my cup, and my little spoon, and then... Doing, I shoot the tea bag up into the air, and I just hold out the teacup. Boom! It falls oh, right in. Nice. Then I take a piece of sugar. Boing! Up high, 
and it flies higher because it has more weight to yeah. it, you know. That's where your physics comes in again. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then clunk, it falls right into the cup. Then the spoon, which is a no-brainer, right? Mm. You put it on the little lip, doing, and it flies to the complete opposite direction yeah. because it's uncontrollable. It just spins. It's but if you put the weight on the spoon, just a little weight, something, tape or whatever, on the spoon, it makes the right spin and will fly into the cup. Wow. So what I do is, first of all, it flies to way out of bounds, mm -hmm. right? <sighs> hmm. Interesting. I know. Pick up the spoon. Wrap a little something around it, put it back up, boing, shoot it up, and then clunk a false right wow. across. And the audience is like, what? Yeah. It gets a huge oh, yeah. laughter. But that is physics meets clown meets right. Rube Goldberg, you mm -hmm. know, this kind of thing. And I'm super interested and fascinated by it. So I really love that. Well, it's funny because like, usually... You know, in these interviews that we've been doing, it's people have gone down the traditional path of like, okay, we go to school, we go to college, we get our degree, and then we realize, yeah, maybe that isn't for me. You sort of did the opposite. You ballet, circus, circus school, and then you astrophysics, and then and then juggling because I believe you were a juggler for a long yes, time. Yes, And then clowning. So it's like you you had the skills before you even went to regular college, almost. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah. And so you, le you lean on that often. When you came to the States, did you, were you already a performer at that point? Yes, I was a performer. I started very early. I was uh, the mouse uh, at a Nutcracker yeah. show, and I was four years old. I had the honor to run across the stage as mouse <laughs> <laughs> in a real ballet, <laughs> high professional wow. ballet, which was very fun. I can't remember, though. Yeah. So, but that's what I did. Um, and it, I always was performing in some ways. I always was going, as we talked earlier about, was always involved in uh, theater. I was always going to the opera. I was always because my father was yeah. there, and then they had, of course, the uh, ballets in the opera house. So for me, I saw every production they ever put on, and um, same with the theater, same with concerts, with classic music, which I really love. One of yeah, my to be favorites. exposed to that. Yeah, at a I young was age. exposed very early to it, and it still plays a big role in my life. So for me, it was a really short jump to Commedia dell'arte, and made perfect sense when you see the opera singers. Not just that they have to sing arias and very complicated partitures and things; they also have to act. And then there's also amazing set design behind it. Mm -hmm. There's an amazing lighting and there's an amazing costuming and makeup and hair and I mean it's the most, one of the most sophisticated uh, art forms I think mm -hmm. there is you know, yeah. as, 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 as live performance when you have the, the orchestra in front of you yeah, and then the performance on stage and you have to over sing so to speak on quote, <laughs> the orchestra yep. you know you have to perform them outperform them sort of but everything has to be um, somehow go in harmony with it you know and that fascinated me just wow <laughs> and I thought wow clowning eccentric performing is just that yeah because it involves so much and it's so complex that it's more than just going out and goofing yeah, around it's never ending and you have to learn constantly 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 and this is not just you know that's the part of the um, it's not just the part of performing it's also finding the truth as clown on stage and the truth of failing and the truth of 
solving the problem and being very genuine about it and then failing again and then realizing, oh, I know, I can do it this way. Yeah. And it's so abstract and so bizarre how you solve the problem, like putting that little tape on the spoon. Now, I, what is more difficult, writing a 90-minute clown routine or getting a PhD in astrophysics? I think the clowning is way more harder. <laughs> you know why? Because it's so unpredictable and there's so many factors which play into. Physics is very linear thinking, but in the same time, you need to learn also how to think out of the box and embrace the impossible and the unusual. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's still very easily um, explainable. And the facts you have to mathematically grant the foundation for it. While in clowning, nothing could make sense. Or yeah. no, it makes sense. Or it makes sense. <laughs> or makes sense much later. <laughs> you know, so um, both I embrace. And I think I wouldn't be a clown who I am now if I wouldn't have that degree as mm -hmm. well. Because it allowed me to learn a certain way of thinking, you know, a certain structural ways of thinking, a certain way also learning how to do research, and then use that research and then create it into a show and learn also how to use it. That's a very important part. Too. Well, and how to learn you know, teaching yourself how to learn new things. Yes, and, and stay interested in yeah. in life and, and stay curious. That's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Stay curious. That's a reoccurring thing we've been hearing all day is staying curious. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping your mind active, pushing yeah. your creativity, you yeah. know, exploring, you know, what you what is yeah. in there. Expanding your comfort zones, so to speak. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Now I mean Besides just a performer, though, and then making clown noises, did I see somewhere you make uh, like juggling clubs, too? Yes. So I'm part owner of Renegade Juggling. So my partner, Tom Kidwell, and I, we have a company with an employee with Bob in there. And so we making juggling equipments. And so clubs, rings, balls. And Tom and I have been creating a bunch of really obscure objects uh, <laughs> what's an obscure object you've made recently for instance very uncommon when um, jugglers um they usually juggle rings mm -hmm. for instance right so one day you know and everything of course comes back to my culture tom and i were sitting in our house in the kitchen and we have a wonderful meal with wine and all that and so we're talking about the company and so on and so forth and I thought we always need to expand more. We need to, we're not just, we need, we need to make our name justice, not just as the renegade show in, in the juggling mm -hmm. festivals mm -hmm. where everything goes and things go crazy. We need to make also ourselves a name in terms of unusual props. We need to expand to whatever. Weird stuff. Yeah, exactly. And so I said, I always love rings, and uh, so what about triangles and squares and really odd shapes? And then we start to draw, and notoriously, we never have a pen or paper really in the <laughs> kitchen. So, oh, I know, I go to the bathroom, I take a bunch of sheets or roll off toilet paper, mm -hmm. and then uh, take a felt pin and then draw on the toilet paper <laughs> and so the original goes to me and the copy goes to Tom. <laughs> oh, it's a two-ply. <laughs> two-ply. <laughs> so. DIY uh, carbon paper. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could write in like little renegade sayings like, these are great juggling balls, but they'll also take down the system. <laughs> <laughs> so like, what's, what's your favorite prop you've built with the company or you've created? Uh, the clown nose. Oh, the clown nose. Down. Because the clown nose also was from from the math and from the physics to create that mold mm -hmm. was, I think, one of the hardest. To get the right circles when you put 
the nose on your face so it's not a sharp edge ah. which hits you but it's like that little curve like a little rolled edge a rolled edge was very difficult to to calculate that properly um, make it as a negative in the mold and mm -hmm. all that so that was a wee bit tricky mm -hmm. but um we managed and that's a it's a nose you really can wear all day long and it's made from silicone i always call it silicone so, <laughs> so silly silicone oh, yeah. and um so that is also um, in the world markets on in terms of toys, what you can provide. You know, it's safe, mm -hmm. it's uh, kosher, so to speak. And latex isn't so much. No. You know, it, it disintegrates after a while. Well, the people have allergies to latex. Allergies and stuff. PVC is not good because it's poisonous. So it's. That's really exactly what went over my nose. It's poison. That's <laughs> not what you want to put on your face. Um, so silicone is actually the material to go for, or leather, mm. or paper. Mm -hmm. You know those kind of things. I actually never put together. Do you know what a renegade what a renegade yeah. show is? So for the listener at home, at juggling festivals, the, they generally have a like a public show where performers will perform, and it's more of a formal setting. But usually the night before or the night after, they have a more informal show which is more of like a op juggling open mic and it's very uh crude some can be crude it can be rude there's a lot everything of goes yeah yes. ev everything goes nudity swearing you know a lot of times it's like performers just doing weird skills or skits that they've written like piercing yeah on stage so oh, that was crazy uh, i never realized that that is that came from your Us yeah from and how did company. that how did that come about this is actually a good question for Tom, but he's not here, so I hope to answer that question. You can just make stuff up. Yeah, okay. we won't even know. So <laughs> it <laughs> happens actually because there were too many restrictions at the IJA, which is the International Juggling Association, and um, there were many restrictions towards a competition and what you can and cannot do in terms of uh, performing. And so Tom, many, many years and moons ago, he and a few friends thought it would be a good idea to allow a um, show which allows everything. Mm -hmm. And so the show starts out with a song, Renegade Rocks, is a song they <laughs> play. And the stage can be anywhere, in a park, in a bar. Mm. And so... A daycare. Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> and um, so he and uh, I think maybe Danny Holzman was part of it. I, I just wonder. Anyway, so then they start out because a lot of times the IGA didn't allow any alcohol. So the show starts out with boxes of beers which were mm. provided by Renegade Juggling. And so handed out beer so the show can start. Ah. And then everything goes. No rules, no regulations, no nothing. And uh, Butterfly Man and uh, Mark Fahey and um, Nongayo, those are our headliner mm. MCs. Um, I'm sure I lost, I forgot a lot of them. That's a huge line. Right yeah. yeah, that's a big. Uh, line of MCs who <laughs> emceed the Renegade show. But those are actually the three main people. And of course, Bindlestiff, Keith Bindlestiff, mm. can't forget him. Mm -hmm. So who uh, emceed and. They're the only sanctioned Renegade <laughs> show MCs. <laughs> Yeah, those are the but then guys isn't it, who've been. Doesn't it the become shows. more renegade if you use an unsanctioned one? We're gonna have a separate renegade show because <laughs> your renegade shows become too corporate. Yeah. <laughs> so we have a lot of fun with it, and I came to this a little bit later. So I arrived on the scene in 1990, mm -hmm. so a little bit later, and um, then I was completely involved with. Also organizing the show, recruiting the acts for the evening. So recruiting them right from the juggling oh, wow. floor. I look who does the craziest thing. Yeah, hey. Or the 
the things which we got a show for you. Yeah, <laughs> you're not ready for the main uh, stage. Follow but me. I got one. No, 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 <laughs> no. That's the stage you want to be on, not not the public show. That's fly, the I show. I got a flatbed truck for you. That's the show yeah. you make yourself a big name. You know, ah. you want to be on it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, since you own a juggling company, have you noticed like over the years a uh, trend upwards or downwards of juggling becoming more popular less popular yes based off of the sales or what people are requesting yes there is certain trends you know so and the trends repeat themselves in terms of yeah jug club juggling for instance was very big then poi swinging and now it's with the whole uh, fire um, performers, there is a huge movement as well. The airflow toys, mm-hmm. and then there was a huge um, trend in hula hooping. Oh, okay. So it, it does always a particular prop ah. which has a trend, and at the moment um, we sell lots of juggling balls um, during COVID time because of. Lots oh, of bet. people wanted to learn how to juggle balls, you know, and while they're at home, and people ordered many, many bean bags. That's fantastic. So that was very good for us, and we continued the company, you know, and it was very good. Do you make a lot of your props here, or do you deal with? Because I know you mentioned the the noses are made in Italy. Yes. So, like, like the juggling clubs, do you make them or? That's part and part. So, mm-hmm. I mold, for instance, I was molding all our Renegade original clubs. Mm-hmm. So, what it is that we buy from Play, from Henry's, um, so from different companies, mm-hmm. and then we just buying the parts and then we sample the clubs together. Now, since you have all the pieces, you can make and create a hybrid. Ah. You can make uh, a hybrid out of a Henry, a Play, and a Renegade That's club, cool. for instance, you know, or so that the possibilities of creating uh, juggling clubs now almost infinite. Mm. So, yeah, so it's both. Partially, mm. we uh, make stuff and we have a little rotational molding machine, which I run um, only. Yeah. It's only me <laughs> yeah. running this thing. And of course, it's a complete Rube Goldberg construction. <laughs> I wish you guys could see this. Um, and so it's the mold been ancient and very lovingly, I call my oven little Berta. <laughs> and Berta, she's hot. It's my, <laughs> it's my molding wow, oven. that's crazy. So it's, again, uh, where physics and um, performing kind of falls in together. Yeah. And I'm very happy that I was able to cover them both. And Tom is an an amazing um, businessman, so he's a very good front man. I don't like to talk to people on the phone too much because they say, wow... I had this one incident, so sad, <laughs> so funny, but sad. Um, Christmas, there was a lady calling in distress, you know, that she get her stuff in, and she said, could you please give me an English speaker? I said, well, on the phone, because I want to order something, and I said, well, I speak English, just fine. Uh, just, what is your order? I take your order down, and then we'll send it out. Uh, no, I want an English speaker, real English speaker. So I put her on the next channel, and I said, "Hello, <laughs> this this is Edgate Jacklick. What would you like to order?" <laughs> so I gave her a little bit of run of her money, you know. So then Tom luckily came in. <laughs> hey, 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 easy, <laughs> easy. Uh, Renegade Juggling. What would you like to order? <laughs> Well, that's just where the clowning is coming comes oh, in, right? Absolutely. Like, I imagine you use clowning every day in your regular life. Oh yeah, and, and sometimes during Christmas we always say, "Oh, we're the elves." So then I answer the phone. 
This is Elf Eleven speaking. <laughs> North Pole. <laughs> Santa slave quarters. <laughs> well, I heard I heard a story that you told on a radio program in, in Santa Cruz about a um, you saw a woman at an airport who was having a hard time and used your clowning Correct, ability. Yeah. That is the beauty about overcoming. You know, often when we are somewhere. And we have see strangers in distress. You know, we have this uh, sort of block of um, fear to intervene. And but once again, with uh, Julie Goel and Abner, uh, we learned how to create complicity. And you create that complicity with the person in front of you, looking in their eyes, breathing. And the moment you do that, they feel it's okay. And I saw, um, in fact, I was with Tom and uh, I was on tour. Um, and I saw across the room, I saw a woman in great distress, a Russian lady. And I heard that she was speaking on the phone with her family. Somebody died. It was extreme. She was just crying almost uncontrollably. Um, so I went to the counter, got a big stack of tissues, and uh, went in front of her and gave her the tissues and um, calmed her down. And that was the clown, actually, who was able an obscene amount of tissues. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Even the people around it were too shy to, to, or, uh, to come up to her and can we help you or something? We're laughing because of such an obscene amount of tissues. <laughs> big pile. Breaking the tension a little bit. Breaking yeah, the tension. Yeah. Pop that bubble. Yeah. And she was much more uh, more comfortable, you know. So. Well, that's what I do love about clowning and having a watching you growing a bigger appreciation for it because Louis and I, we are performers where we speak the whole time. And we're very limited to our audiences who only speak our language or know our references. Whereas clowning is, there is just this universal language, this sort of you can bring joy to people without having to speak. And it's, it's amazing. Yeah, that's the beauty about the show is that it's nonverbal. Mm -hmm. Although I speak gibberish. But that gibberish is internationally. It's international <laughs> gibberish. <laughs> Everyone understands gibberish. <laughs> so it's very uh, universal, of course. And um, that's the love. I love that yeah. about my work, that I can perform all over the world um, and be able to be in places which are un absolutely unusual. And... Um, I had the great opportunity, you know, to do that uh, with Clowns Without Borders, which I really want to talk about, yeah. is um, coming back to the beginning of our interview because you're talking about the clowns who make um, balloons and this and that. So there's this incredible um, group of clowns who are the hospital clowns and use those skills, face painting and balloon twisting and singing with the ukulele and going in and to the hospitals and bring great relief. So there's this organization, Clowns Without Borders, who goes into um, areas of great distress or war zones or um, natural disaster zones like Haiti experienced or I went to Bosnia, Herzegovina in the very beginning of it, you know, Although I wasn't really aware it was Clowns Without Borders, you know, mm -hmm. so I was part of a different organization, but in terms of Clowns Without mm. Borders, bring relief and laughter and performance to the children. So, and then I also went to Somalia and to Kenya and Nairobi, mm -hmm. and um, I had a great opportunity to work with Koruka Maisha, which is an organization in Nairobi who brings street kids uh, into that program and teaches them acrobatics. And then I came in, taught juggling and clowning 
and um, for two months or so. And then we had a show in the very end. And I invited all the embassies to come and see the show. So it was also funded by the American embassy. And then there was um, this very particular program, won a prize, and they came to the White House and received that oh, wow. prize yeah. from um, Michelle Obama. Wow. So I was part of this whole That's amazing. program there, and it made me incredibly proud of the kids yeah. and who... Uh, was there any embassies that didn't show up to the gala? Like, you know, oh, all uh, all of them came. All of them, amazing. the German embassy. I went in there and talked to them, and they came. The Belgian embassy, the American embassy, but they were supporting us already, and they brought me. Actually, paid for my flight and wow. stay to to participate and be part of this. Um, so it was a wonderful uh, program, and. I had also some really unusual situations happen there, <laughs> which very briefly, in the very same time, Joe Biden was there. So I got to see and um, meet very briefly Joey Biden. <laughs> I call him lovingly Joey <laughs> Biden. We go way back. Yeah, we go way back. Then. And um, also the chief prosecutor from at that time from The Hague, Luis Moreno oh, wow. Ocampo. So it was a very interesting uh, time for me and uh, seeing the connections, how important that is, that work is, yeah. you know, and what profound, profound um, profoundness it has. Yeah, and, and the impact it can have on people's lives. It yeah. has and how important it is. Well, that's what I do Even love about the smallest things you think, oh, I just give him a little bit of laughter and joy for the moment, but it has huge impact. Yeah, huge. I mean, I've been following Clowns Without Borders for a while mm -hmm. and just seeing like the, you know, what they write and put out and the, yeah. the sort of things that they're doing, it's, it's amazing. Those yeah. are the un unsung heroes uh, too. And also during the times of COVID and all the hospital clowns and all those guys. And of course, you know, um, during non-COVID times, going into those areas, and which I traveled with them as well, and many other performers did also. And uh, I'm sure everybody will tell you the same story, how wonderful, but also how hard it was, and sometimes heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. and yeah, I mean, do you, when you go into these places, I mean, you know, imagine they're they're in rough shape and the people very and, yeah i mean do you ever have a hard time just saying okay how can i gather myself here to put on a show when it i what i'm seeing is so difficult you have to overcome that yeah and um that where you where you're in in the moment that is so much bigger and so much more important yeah. than yourself yeah so your job is to be there, to be present, to be genuine, be kind, loving, and caring, and bring that joy to them and teach without any expectations and make it so so that it's sustainable, so that they learn and then they can teach others. Yeah, That's your job. Absolutely. And you have to give, 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 give. And we are so privileged. You know, after I got back from some of those tours, I couldn't even go into a grocery yeah. store. Yeah. It was just too much for yeah. me. So I stayed home. <laughs> <laughs> you, you stuck to the local French wine <laughs> macaron place. Going, the brand place. That's why I'm going after this to Kermit Lynch. But you've also not only done the Clowns Without Borders, you've, do, you've done clowning in uh, prisons around California. That's correct. Yeah, I've done a few shows in, um, in Chino and some other prisons but it was not just in in the u.s it was also in other countries and how is that how is that received i had never so many um wedding proposals i guess <laughs> <laughs> marriage proposals <laughs> so it went well yeah it went really well they move quick in prison. <laughs> yeah, they don't have time to lose. However, oh, they have most time. It was very well 
perceived, although I had to rethink completely what I perform is is very important to uh, go to s absolute simple things. I one point in my sh show I juggle feathers, so I recreated a whole show just with feathers. Ah, and it's the tenderness and the poetry which I was focusing on because in prison you have a lot of violence and they are in because of some form of violence or. An, so uh, to show the opposite and the oh the touching that was so tender i i don't know what hit me kind of that's what you need to provide there and origami comes in handy very well there too um unexpected origami so i created a bunch of frogs which hop across the stage and then but in bigger sizes mm -hmm. And the feathers, and there's a lot of this kind of things you need to, which is all playful, as I said, poetic, tender, kind, and very touching. So it doesn't mean in a real show outside of a jail performance. Mm -hmm. So in my show, it doesn't mean the clown doesn't lose his temper. Because in my solo show, the clown goes through all kinds of emotional <laughs> things, you know. But for the prison, you got to cut the bit where you shank. <laughs> yeah, that's that exact exactly was my focus, really, to to put the emphasis on that. Ah, that's great. Those are, those are the keys to a good show and getting many marriage proposals. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it was it was very. I was what what. <laughs> Yes. It's very sweet. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. It's just say thank My you. My clown training has told me to always say yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you. It's your improv training. It's your improv training. Yes always and. Yes. yes and. I'm pregnant. No, uh, you just say thank you. That's very kind. Now, um, we don't want to take up all your time. It's It's been amazing to watch you over the years at the Moisture Festival. I thank know you're you. one of the Moisture Festival favorites. I mean, the, your 40 years of training and... Every, all of these different backgrounds uh, shows in your show, and uh, and I I didn't know that Avner also taught knitting. That is, yeah, he doesn't put this on his resume, I I but mean, I think I think, I think you should ask him. I, think I, might, I might go take the knitting workshop. Like, and he has he has wonderful patterns. So. <laughs> He made me a beautiful beanie, you know. Uh -huh. It's a beanie where the the top is open, <laughs> so all my poof oh, of my great. hair yeah. comes out. That's fantastic. And but still looks like a real hat. But he left the top open for my hair to stick out, <laughs> and it's the cutest thing. Uh, if you it. if you want to find out more about Iman, you can do so on imanlisarazu.com. L-I-Z-A-R-A-Z-U. I think I'll just spell it out yeah. <laughs> to make it easy. And uh, I believe you're on all, like Facebook. And yes, I'm Facebook, but I'm not on uh, Instagram. Mm. So I try to keep it simple. So go to your website. If go to, to my website or come by the Renegade shop or go on a Renegade site. Or, just or you call, Facebook. call the tech support at Renegade hey, and ask for, only for <laughs> English. After, after, <laughs> check this out, after Thanksgiving, I turn into an elf <laughs> <laughs> until Christmas. And I, on your website, you have a schedule of where you'll be Yeah, performing. although my, my uh, website right now, I'm reworking it. And I have a company who I work with that is redoing my website and during covid i figured ah, needs a facelift yeah yeah so well that's what or I'm just go hang progress. out in a park in santa cruz and, and look for, for a flatbed flat truck <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much it is uh for coming here i'm glad we could be wedged in on your uh, your, your wine your, bread your, your wine tour <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me and moisture festival oh my god yeah. it's so close to my heart i have to say really quick that moisture festival gave me also the jumping board as we call it mm -hmm. right the, mm -hmm. the springboard the, the springboard yeah. thank you uh to allow me also to become who i am now also as a performer variety performer so thank you to all the organizers and the hardworking staff and especially the people in the back 
you know, yeah. who you do not see, but yeah. those are the people who make the shows also yeah. happen. Yeah. And, and you course, seem to be there quite a bit. So it, yeah, it, you, it is, I love them It's all. a destination yeah, for you. <laughs> absolutely. And I make sure that I cancel all the shows um, I have so that I can be yeah. at the Moisture Festival. That's so awesome. Well, really we're lucky to have you come to Seattle so often. Oh, I yeah. love yeah, Seattle. Yeah, yeah. So thank you so much for being thank here. Thank you and thank you for having yeah, me. Yeah, no problem. Hey folks, want to thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Real quick, the Moisture Festival is dedicated to keeping the ticket prices to shows affordable, and they do that by relying on individual donations. You can donate financially or volunteer. To get more information, go to themoisturefestival.org and click on the contribute button. You'll get all the deets there. Absolutely. And if you want to just follow the Moisture Festival, you can do that on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or you can just go loiter outside of the Palladium <laughs> at Hales Ales. That's a way that you can follow them. If you want to find out more information on Louie and I, we also do a podcast on our own called The Odd and Off Beat podcast that's where we talk about strange news stories of the day you can hear us chat about all things weird absolutely you can do that odd and offbeat.com or wherever you get your podcasts if you want to find out about us individually where we're performing at you can find louie at louiefox.com and that's with two x's and matt's at comedystuntshow.com that's spelt regularly <laughs> <laughs> so we would like to thank you so much for listening so much for your time and we hope to see you at the moisture festival soon be well Thank you for listening to Moisture Festival Podcast and stay moist.